This is an ABC podcast. Hey, I'm Miyuki Okiranta, and you're coming with me to Netherland, an old Wild West town in Colorado in the US, at the foot of the Rocky Mountains. In the center of town, a hand-carved merry-go-round called the Carousel of Happiness spins lazily. And the Stanley Hotel, you know the one from the movie The Shining, is just around the corner. But what this town might be most famous for, if all that isn't curious enough, lies in an unassuming timber garden shed. My family, my, my son was growing up, we'd call each other guy. Hey guy, you're a little guy, I was a big guy. And so this guy and that guy. And so the first time I started going up there and doing stuff and my son asked me about it, I said, well, what are you, what are you doing up there? I said, well, there's a guy up there, what kind of guy? Well, he's a frozen dead guy. If you lose a loved one, we mourn them and their bodies are taken care of. But what if you, left behind, aren't ready to let go? That guy, that frozen dead guy, is at the heart of today's earshot, as producer Jessica Hamilton uncovered when she found herself in Netherland. I ended up in Netherland by chance after a long day of hiking in the mountains. I was heading back to Denver and had only planned to stop for a quick pizza. Hi, this is Mike the bartender. But my waiters started telling me some tall tales of their small town. The Prison Day Guy uh, Festival is uh, more or less done up after this guy had died and his family wanted him to be frozen. Like this one, about an annual festival in honour of a dead Norwegian man in a backyard freezer. Dead in a tough shed in Ned. That's the story of Netherlands' quirkiest resident. Netherland is busy right now setting up for its famous annual festival, Frozen Dead Guy Days. Which turned out to be kind of true. Story goes, 30-odd years ago, this man called Brito Morstel died while skiing in Norway. And his grandson, a guy called Trigby, packed his body up in dry ice and transported it to Colorado and has kept him frozen here in Netherland ever since in the hope that one day, Brito might come back to life. But then Trigby got deported back to Norway, so he hired a local guy to refresh the ice every two weeks and keep his grandpa frozen. Grandpa Brito became a bit of a town celebrity and now every year Nederland throws a huge festival for him called the Frozen Dead Guy Days. It features the Reanimate Yourself exhibit and the Brain Freeze Tent. It's a lot of fun out here in Nederland. Yeah, I'm going to host the common races a little later on. Man. This is a great event. Make some noise, everybody that came out here. What a great time. What a There are coffin races, a frozen dead poet slam, a hearse parade. Listen folks, they have the back door open in case you need a ride. <laughs> Thousands of people get dressed up as the old frozen grandpa. So last night everybody was in costumes and just having fun. And someone's even written a musical about him. Yeah, grandpa died happy at 89. His grandson wished that he could live forever. Leaving the pizza place, I noticed posters around Nederland showing a suave, blue-skinned caricature of Brito in a suit. Grandpa Brito, on this frozen deck I But behind the coffin races and the costumes and this creepy, crazy story, I couldn't help thinking. 
There's an actual body of a real man lying somewhere up the hill, and a handful of people who have dedicated their lives to keeping him frozen. Who are they? Hello. Hello, Grandpa. Hello, Grandpa. Are you ready? Ready. Here we go, folks. I found videos online of a man who calls himself Bo the Iceman, hosting tours to the shed that holds Grandpa Brito's body. He's also authored a memoir of his time looking after the frozen dead guy. And Jess has just given me the email that she got from Bo, which reads, Well, I've not really been associated with the frozen dead guy folks for a few years now, though that in itself is a bit of a story. That's my friend Tristan, who has kindly agreed to be my backup on the quest to learn more about Brito and his caretakers. But I'd be glad to chat about old times with you. Come on by the ranch. We could always throw another shrimp on the barbie. LOL, have a ripper day. Bo. All right, man, I guess we'll be seeing you down on the ranch. Hot damn. Spring cleaning is due. We're greeted at the entrance to Bo's ranch by a sign riddled with bullet holes that reads Delta Tech Planetary Ecologists. His yard is packed with bric-a-brac and building materials. We did a lot of a lot of recycling once upon a time. And these offices used to be a lot more open, but lately they've gotten crowded because nobody's around to take care of things anymore. Is it just you here? Pretty much. God didn't make many Bo welcomes us into his home through a door guarded by a buffalo skull and into a cluttered office. Gosh, it's a noisy office, ain't it? A dual computer screen shows a website for conspiracy theorists alongside an intricate surveillance system that he's wired up to monitor the property. So, yeah, I've got stores of water, I've got stores of food, i got chickens that give me eggs and I can eat them if I have to. Bo explains that he's a survivalist, which is a movement of people who prepare for emergencies like total social breakdown or nuclear war. Out here on this ranch, he's prepping for an ecological apocalypse. You know, it's kind of like one way to survive is to prepare for the future and to prepare to do stuff. Another way to survive, I suppose, is to put yourself on dry ice and hope that they'll bring your ass back. Okay, maybe we start from the beginning. Like, how did you get this job? How, did you do you do meet Trigby, Trigba, Trigby? No, I never met. I have never met the guy in my life. Kind of like I don't know. You guys ever recall a show, Charlie's Angels? Mm-hmm. Charlie, you know, nobody ever saw the guy. He was always on the phone and arranging things, and there he was. But I never seen the guy. He could not exist for all I know. Except that I, I've checked him. I, I know he exists. It didn't surprise me to hear that Brito's grandson, Trigby, is also a survivalist. The whole conquering death thing was a bit of a giveaway. Bo tells us that well before the Backyard Freezer saga, Trigby was already a well-known guy around Netherland. He'd made a bit of a name for himself as a world record-holding ice bather. Triva Bavka. Many people know him as the head of the local polar bear club, a group that takes a dip in a frozen lake every year. It's fantastic. <laughs> totally worth it, dude. Trigby introduced ice bathing to Netherland back in 1984, and then a few years later, he brought his frozen grandfather. Supposedly, when Brito died up in the ski chalet, that the next morning when Trigby found him, his pillows were pushed into the shape of a T, which meant that he wanted Trigby to take care of him. 
And I can imagine that Brito on his you know, dying there in the middle of the night up in the bed in the chalet. There, oh, let me think. Oh, yeah, let me put the things together in a T here, all right? So Brito's dead body was packed in dry ice and transported from Norway to the States, while Trigby bought a plot of land in Netherland and started constructing a concrete doomsday-proof house. He'd planned to live here with his elderly mother upstairs and grandpa frozen out the back. But he overstayed his US visa and was deported, and his mother soon got evicted for living in a house that violated local regulations. I would say they are going to kill my father and they have no right to kill other persons. That's Trigby's mother Ord there in a news story from the time. She was furious and worried that her father's body would thaw out. If they are dead, they will kill them because we want them to survive. So she asked the local paper to help plead her case. And so when the reporter came up and interviewed his mother, she said, oh, you know, what am I going to do about the bodies in the shed? And, and the reporter like, what? What bodies? What shed? And that's kind of kicked everything off. That's when they found out there were bodies up there, and that's when the town found out about it. And the mayor at the time just had a heart attack about there being dead bodies on a piece of property. It just, he could not handle that. There were multiple bodies. Yeah, there were two at one time. Big Al from Chicago, as we called him. As we first reported last night, authorities have found two bodies frozen in a shed in Netherland. Inside, packed in dry ice, styrofoam and plywood, the body of Trig V. Bobga's grandfather in a casket wrapped with chains. The body of Al Campbell of Chicago reportedly wrapped in plastic inside a sleeping bag. Netherland's mayor says it may take a while, but the bodies will eventually go. This will not become a final resting place. <laughs> Big Al's body was returned to his family in Chicago, but when it came to Brito, the town council was in a bit of a rut. See, what Trigby was doing wasn't technically illegal, and by now his mother had rallied enough support around town to keep Brito frozen. So after a bit of a standstill, the Netherland Council rewrote their municipal code to prohibit the keeping of a person, body or carcass of a human being which is not alive on one's property. Basically, no one's allowed to have a body in a freezer. But they wrote in a grandfather clause that allowed Brito's body to stay put. As long as Trigby could keep the body frozen from abroad. And, and so he basically told me that he had this cryonic situation that he wanted somebody to throw dry ice onto. And in comes Bo, who, after a chance encounter with Trigby in an online group for survivalists, landed the job as Grandpa Brito's caretaker. Over the years, we went from blocks to, to slices to pellets and back again and different things. And we found various different ways. And in the end, what it amounted to was a little bit of each. Some big 60-pound blocks to maintain some cold, but they don't get cold real fast. Some pellets, they get cold real fast, but they don't last too long. And so we put both in, and that would last for a month. By 2002, the Netherland Council had done a full 180 in regards to Brito's body and approached Bo with an unusual idea a festival celebrating Brito's cryonic preservation as a way to spice up their annual spring fair. The inspiration actually came from the success of a neighbouring town's Mike the Headless Chicken Festival, which also honours survivability, but of a headless chicken. Bo helped name the festival and the frozen dead guy nickname stuck around. 
as did his official title for Trigby's backyard operation. We officially had a place up there called the International Cryonics Institute and Center for Life Extension. Icicle. Took me a whole day to work on that one and, and several several inducements, but we finally worked that one out. And it's the IC Institute for short, International Cryonics Institute. Cryonics, or cryogenics, involves the freezing of a human corpse to almost minus 200 degrees Celsius in the minutes after a person has been legally declared dead. It uses a combination of ice and liquid nitrogen in the hope that one day they might be reanimated or brought back to life. It's something straight out of science fiction. But like so many sci-fi concepts, this is one that's been realised. Somewhere around 300 people are currently suspended in legitimate cryonics facilities. The United States is one of the only countries where this stuff is actually legal. Q Trigby bringing his grandpa over from Norway. Grandpa's in the tough shed Laying them alone Mainstream science has typically written off cryonics as complete quackery. And I get the feeling that the cryonics industry would probably say the same thing about Bowen Trigby's backyard icy institute and its resident frozen dead guy. So he can live another day. Yeah. Bo faithfully did his ice runs for 18 long years before an altercation with Trigby over money left him out of a job. These days, there's a new guy in charge. And can I get a name for the order? My name is Brad Wickham and I am the caretaker for Brad Omostel, the frozen dead guy. Should we get it to go? With one more day in town, we arrange to meet caretaker Brad at the Nettleland Bakery. Next thing I know, we're chugging up Nettleland's snowy hills in Brad's pickup truck, a heavy load of dry ice in the back, heading straight for Trigby's concrete castle. Can you talk me through what your job involves? Really all it involves is um, going to Denver, picking up a half a ton of dry ice and just transporting it back up and then putting it on the casket. But why I got it is another question. I think the universe manifested me for this, to be honest. Yeah? Yeah. I've wor I worked in healthcare 25 years. I was a respiratory care specialist and I've all, we were always in on all the worst cases. And I saw so many people transition over to death. Um, you know, you always have questions about what happens afterwards. But to actually be there, watch it happen, watch a person explain to them what it feels like to be dying. I came to the Rocky Mountains to get away from the traumatic stress disorder that created. So I came here with nothing. I sold everything, and this landed in my lap. And how do you approach caring for the dead? Well, I just make sure he doesn't thaw out. <laughs> Trigva is, he's a character. He's Norwegian and has some um, wild ideas about life preservation. And he sees his grandfather as still being amongst us. He talks about him in a third person perspective, like, how's my grandpa doing today? Or, you know, let's make sure grandpa is okay. And, you know, he just is... So for Trigva, I treat his grandfather with as much care as I would a family member who is in the hospital. 
That means if it snows three feet, I'm still going to come bring the ice. And then maybe I will maybe someday see transition to life. So I would have gone from seeing people actually transition to death to the other way. So. There's not much room inside Brito's garden shed mausoleum. Does it sound haunted up here? It does. <laughs> but we squeeze in to escape the icy wind outside. This is it, man. This is the box. The timber walls are scrawled with handwritten calculations from Bo's ice run days. Brad rolls his eyes when we point them out. He's never met Bo, but he doesn't agree with the way that he did the job. I personally do project an image of Bredo and do use his name and do say this is the man we're talking about, not the, you know, not the mascot. We're talking about a real man. Have you learned a lot about Brito in the time that you've been working and do you feel... Not at all. I know very little about the man except... Um, I had a grandpa. He's from Norway. Mine was from the United States. His was he was his was an outdoorsman, a Nordic skier. Mine was an outdoorsman, fisherman, hunter. And I picture myself sitting around a wood burning stove in Norway uh, uh, on an ice pond fishing. Uh, you know, it's just as easy for me to see that as it would my own grandfather. So I guess it's a fantasy relationship. But it's uh, one, you know, still one. Earlier, I'd asked Bo how he'd felt working with the body of a dead man who he might one day meet. I never worried a whole lot about meeting Brito someday because I know that's a ways in the future. Uh, and they ain't going to do that to me. No, no, when, when I die, you, you burn this husk of mine because that's about all it's good for, and I got other things to do. Yeah, what happens after you die? I mean, I don't know. Everybody's got different beliefs about that. I mean, myself, I mean, I, I, I believe in reincarnation. I, I, myself and my wife have spent many lives together ever since I abandoned her and back in about a thousand years ago as a Viking. She has a hard time. She hasn't really forgiven me for that, and it's been over a thousand freaking years. Bo's belief in reincarnation sits at complete odds with the idea of bringing a dead person back, at least to the same body. But to Bo, Brito's body was just a body, and his soul had already moved on, because... What the hell is a soul in the meantime? What, sitting in a garage in Toledo or something, waiting to come back into this body, when, you know, nobody's ever even thought about bringing bodies back until recently. What are all these other people that died? But... As I kept telling people on all my tours like that, it don't matter what I think, it's my job. And I do it in my company and we do the job the best as we can. And that's how we preserved them for 18 years. The casket that holds Brito's preserved body is kept inside a chest high freezer box. Brad lifts the heavy lid and starts gently peeling away sheets of plastic to get to the old bricks of dry ice beneath. Oh, we got visitors today. Australia. I'm never sure what to say, but I always feel I need to say something since he may be with us again someday. I'm stuck between feeling like an intruder 
and a morbid curiosity to know what's inside, or perhaps more what a back-from-the-dead burrito might look like. I have to assume that Brad and Bo share my fascination, that they too have been drawn in to the possible return of Brito at the hands of his survivalist grandson. Was he doing much of the work himself? or uh, I will tell you that it's just he was probably in on it. Um, Trigby's disaster-proof house lies in disarray, untouched since he and his mother left. A toy bear wears an old t-shirt that says, I survived the polar bear dip of 93. A, few of those laying around. a bottle of wine sits dusty and unfinished on the floor. It's as though the house itself is frozen in time, like Brito outside, waiting for the day when the family can be brought back together. Have you met Trigba? Never. I've only spoken to him by phone. Trigba, on principle, refuses to come back to this country. Uh, he's going to stand on libertarian values. He says he's never coming back. And all these boxes are full of that stuff. This one here is on politics. I can see boxes crammed with Trigby's plans for the backyard cryonics chamber and documents antagonising US immigration. The forgotten traces of the elusive Charlie directing his ice angels to carry on his work from afar. I reached out to Trigby from Colorado, but heard nothing back. After a couple of months, all I'd received was a quick reply saying that he was busy making organic juice. But just as fast, he went back off the radar. Then suddenly, over a year since I'd left his house in Netherland, Trigby got in touch. We were, I would have served you a fresh squeezed juice made from organically grown produce, yes. Oh, amazing. With lots of sprouts. So I got online to Norway and asked him for his version of events. Well, uh, it all started the last time we had the uh, uh, Cold War. You know, we have the, the arms race in the, after World War II and until about uh, 1989. Uh, this uh, was, was uh, a long answer. But it's my fault for assuming that the story could begin so recently. You need to know about Paula. See, the Cold War drove the threat of nuclear attacks into the social fabric of the West. I mean, it doesn't help if we have lots of great breakthroughs in science and medicine that would greatly expand uh, human life expectancy if it's all destroyed by some uh, huge uh, world war again. Start now on your fallout room and in a refuge. Yes, this does mean you. Which fueled the survivalist movement that Trigby was part of. In the middle of the United States, he believed he'd be safe from nuclear attack and free to pursue his interests in cryonics and life extension. So he moved to Netherland and started constructing his doomsday-proof home. And the plan was, of course, to install then uh, liquid nitrogen doers up there and have uh, more uh, patients frozen. Of course, uh, the authorities, being kind of uh, protectionistic, uh, put a stop to that. When I ask him about cryonics... Trigby tells me about animals that can survive long periods of freezing, and he believes that one day we'll be able to replicate these processes in human cells. And of course, uh, what is the sense in bringing back someone that is 95 years old, you know, 
just for them to die from some a aging or some other disease the week thereafter. No, it's no sense. So you had to wait bringing them back until you also find a way to uh, rejuvenate, to reverse you know, the aging and other causes of death. If scientists reached a point where they could slow down or reverse the aging of cells, we could avoid death altogether. And until that day, cryonics is just plan B. And I don't see any verification of there being a soul. I don't see any that survives after the body dies. I don't see any verification of there being any life after death than what you create by rational means. I mean, by creating suspended animation and by trying to bring people back. I believe in life before death. And I think we should use that life before death to try to maximize and lengthen the life that we actually know verifiably that exists. Back in the 1700s, an Italian priest noticed that sperm could bounce back to life after being frozen in the snow and inspired scientific breakthroughs that mean that today we can create life from a frozen embryo. Imagine how crazy that priest must have seemed at the time. Is it just that Trigby and his fellow life extensionists are brave enough to push this thinking today? And I don't know much about him other than that he was a keen skier, but he's got to be one of the most well-known people in Colorado without people actually knowing much about what he was like. And I hope you don't mind me asking well, this, I... but what was he like? Yeah. Well, he was very interested in, in outdoor activities. He so uh, liked to ski in the winter, hike in the summer, and go hunting and so on. And I remember lots of nice ski trips and lots of nice hikes, you know, uh, from my childhood. And uh, he also painted, so he had lots of nice paintings. You know, some of the, the paintings of the high country, the mountains, you know, you get this sense of uh, uh, yeah, looking into the future and looking uh, over something uh, that's uh, lasting. This is the end, my only friend, the end. Old Grandpa Brito doesn't know what his grandson has got him into. His family and his quirky caretakers, an unusual town and believers the world over are pinning their hopes and fears and existential questions on his frozen remains. And it strikes me that losing a loved one must be even harder to process if you believe that life doesn't have to come to an end. This is the end. It's been 30 years since Brito died, and who's to say what could happen in the next 30? Because we really don't have a very secure place to keep him, we've got chained to the floor. And uh, it's a thin metal, very thin metal casket. But so long as his grandson keeps his caretakers paid, the body of Netherlands' frozen mascot will remain in the mountainous high country of Colorado, in peace, except for the occasional visitor. And this is going to be a little noisy. And the sound of a freezing pickup truck and the fortnightly crash of bricks of dry ice on his metal casket. The Iceman of Netherland was produced by Jessica Hamilton. The sound engineer was Carrie Dell. 
I'm Miyuki Okiranta, and that wraps our season of strange and mysterious stories told within earshot. Next time, we kick off a new series and unearth the tales behind iconic streets around Australia. I look forward to your company then. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.